You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Yeah, so for today, um, we're going to look at the letter of Jude. So I'll give you guys a couple of minutes here to find Jude. Um, it's the, the book right before Revelation, so we're getting real close to the, the end of the Bible here. And we're going to look at all 25 uh, verses of the chapter here. So don't worry, I'm not going to try to do too lengthy of a thing where uh, we do a deep dive over all 25 verses of that. Um, yeah, one of the, I guess, prideful um, challenges that always comes when trying to do this is wanting to provide something profound or um, sound really smart when I'm standing up here sharing. Um, but really, what my hope, what my goal is for today is just looking at the scripture and letting that speak. And, you know, if there are things that we dive into, we use more scripture for that and not just my own feeble thoughts and, and ideas on it. So we'll start um, Jude. I've got chapter 1, verse 1 here. So Jude a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he is kept in eternal bonds until darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way, these men, also by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand, And the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water carried along by winds, Autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead and uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. 
It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Would you pray with me one more time? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word that you have preserved and provided us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that... um, softens our hearts and opens our ears and our minds to your teaching and your leading, your guiding to understand um, these words that you have provided us. Lord, thank you for this time right now that we have to look at your word. Um, Again, Father, just ask that it would be your Holy Spirit leading us through this and um, not just my own um, words or thoughts or, or feeble ideas that, that come from me, but that it would be your words um, coming from me, Lord. Um, use me as your tool. Help us as we look at your word and just um, bless this time that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so like I said, as I was trying to, to work things, I, I apologize, Mel. Um, what I told you last week and what we ended up with is completely different as she was trying to prepare the music for this week. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, the, the confession of wanting to sound profound <laughs> and smart um, was kind of checked this week and just um, went a totally different route in, in looking at Jude here. Um, so... Trying to, I'm going to do my best to kind of walk through it, who, why, what, all of that, um, without taking two or three hours. When I was working with, um, on this the last couple of days, Carrie said, well, how long are you going to talk? I said, well, really, I can go as long as they're willing to stick around. Um, Most likely 20 minutes. If I go beyond that, people are going to start walking out, so... We'll do our best here in in looking through this. So, um, st- like I said, I'm just going to try to briefly, quickly, um, high level. Maybe once in a while, we'll um, do a 
kind of a flyover in some of the, the verses here, but for the most part, it's just going to be slowly walking back through uh, the letter here, taking it piece by piece. Um, as I was going through it, it looked like there's, you know, kind of four mains or four sections, if you will, to it, kind of who is he writing to, what was his original desire, what does he spend the bulk of the time actually focusing on, and then the, the closing to it. So we'll try to, to hit those four areas here, focusing, obviously, the, the meat of the time on um, what it actually is that he wanted to, to share with the believers here. So um, going back to, to verse 1 here, Jude, um, he is a, a bondservant of Christ. He's a believer, brother of James, brother of Jesus. Um, and he is writing to a group of believers. Now, it doesn't specifically say who, uh, which group it is, um, but that's all right because like all of Scripture, what was pertinent then is pertinent to us now. Um, so after he goes through just the, the general greeting here, um, in verse 3, you know, his, his original goal, his original intent uh, was wanting to just talk about the salvation that they, they shared as, as believers. Um, but rather, he says, um, you know, again, his willingness to, to change course um, when prompted, he felt it necessary to write appealing, um, to contend earnestly for the faith, to, you know, looking at contend, really fight for it, be prepared, um, you know, don't don't give up easily on it, if you will, for uh, the faith that was handed down to all the saints. Uh, and then in verse four, it really gets into why it is that he's he's writing right now. Um, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, um, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny Jesus Christ. And again, licentiousness, as I was going through this, kind of a big word. Um, I had to look that one up real quick just to make sure that, that I was you know, in the right train of thought here. Uh, looking it up in Miriam, licentiousness, kind of the, the broad definition of it was lacking legal or moral restraints. Uh, you can dive down a little bit further into... Um, kind of a, a very specific um, lack of, of moral restraint, but we'll just, for, for this one right now, take it as the, the broad, just legal or moral restraints that, that they're lacking. Um, and just kind of reading through that, it reminded me back in Romans 6 when Paul was talking about, um, you know, the grace that God gives us, and the question was, well, what shall we say then Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And Paul says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And just when going through Jude here, seeing that there's more teachers coming in with kind of that same desire to say, hey, we've got grace. Um, go for it, whatever you want to do. Don't worry about it. We'll, you know, we, we can do whatever. We've got Christ on our side who gives us this grace. Jude's saying, no, that, that's not, not what Christ died for. That's not what, what the teaching is. Uh, we have to hold tight to um, you know, the, the desire to live that, that godly life, not to slowly let 
um, the true message of, of Christ get um, slowly whittled away and decaying and, and um, yeah, getting watered down on us. So, um, you know, that was really the, the main charge here is being careful of, of who's creeping in that we aren't noticing as a teacher. Um, it reminds me, too, of, of Christ saying that there will be wolves coming in sheep's clothing and just to be aware and on guard for that. Um, and again, not to, to gloss over it, but back right at the beginning of verse 4 there too, uh, well, take it both sides of it. In, in verse 1, he's talking to those who have been called. You know, it's the sanctified, it's the elect, whatever uh, terminology that you want to use there for the believers. And then in verse 4 again, uh, Jude points out that um, these persons that are creeping in, they were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Um, this isn't something that just all of a sudden they decided that they wanted to do. This was something that God had already uh, planned out that was going to happen. Um, just you know, looking back in Exodus 2, uh, we'll get to that story of leaving Egypt as well, but... Um, God specifically said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that my name will be glorified, my power will be exalted. Um, I think we can see that parallel here, too. We've got people that are, are marked out for, for this false teaching that we need to be careful of and, and on guard for. Um, as we get into verse 5 now, um, we're getting into more of just the attributes of God. Uh, verses 5 through 11 is kind of what, what I was you know, noticing here, reading through it, um, and just talking about how, yes, God is merciful and gracious, but he is a righteous and just God, too. So as we look back at those, those verses, um, Jude says, he desires to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. Um, just focusing on that particular part right now, um, you know, we're familiar with what happened when the Lord brought um, the Israelites out of, out of Egypt. They um, were able to escape from Pharaoh and the Egyptians as they were crossing the desert. And then once they, they were safe from that, um, you know, um, Moses sent out the 12 spies to, to Canaan and after spying there for 40 days they came back and gave their uh, report on it 10 of the spies said there's no way we can do this God has brought us out here to die Why we should just go back to Egypt and the other two Caleb and Joshua said no the Lord promised us he was going to do this and he will do that and without I mean, going all the way back to, to Numbers here, uh, but Numbers 14 is where the Lord um, then promises or, or you know, his, his judgment becomes for each year that you guys were, or for, sorry, each day that you guys were spying out Canaan, uh, there will be one year of wandering in the desert as your your punishment. So that's where they get the, the 40 years of having to wander in the wilderness after the 10 had the the lack of trust in, in the Lord and his promises. 
Um, and then as the ten shared their report, there was all the grumbling amongst the, the Israelites too. That's, you know, again, not feeling that, that they could trust the Lord. And again, God's judgment on those, all those that were 20 years and older who did not believe their judgment was they would die in the wilderness. They would not see the land of Canaan. So even though God pulled every Israelite out of Egypt, out of that land of slavery, um, those that didn't believe in him did not trust in him. They perished before reaching the, the promised land that God had, had given them. Um, one that we'll look a little bit more into detail too here, it's referenced in, in verse 11, is the rebellion of Korah. That's along that same time frame. We'll, we'll dive a little bit into that one down the road here. Verse 6, quite honestly, um, this is where I don't want to try to sound smart. When it, when it starts talking about the angels who did not keep their domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. I don't know where to go with that one, quite honestly, as far as trying to dive deeper into that, peel back the onions, other than just to know that, um, you know, there is judgment that will be coming. There is the, the final days when we, we know that there will be the new heavens and the new earth after um, Satan and the demons and all those that are unbelievers will will reach or will will have their eternal condemnation and eternal judgment. Um, I guess for, for six, that's what I'm going to leave that as without trying to dive and get myself in trouble on that one. Uh, verse 7 was Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, I think, and the surrounding cities were, were fairly familiar with um, the history of that one, where uh, in Genesis 19, you know, it talks about just the, the immoralness, immorality of Sodom and Gomorrah and the, the sins that were going on there. Um, again, in God's righteousness and God's judgment and his mercy, uh, he brought judgment down upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, in Genesis 19:24 and 25, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabited of the cities and what grew on the ground. So God in his righteousness, he cannot stand um, the sin. Now he is merciful. In that same verse, we see that Lot is saved and uh, his wife and the, the rest of the family were given the, that opportunity of being saved from that destruction. Um, Lot and the, the rest of the family were the wife we remember as they were running away from the city, she looked back after the Lord had told her, told them not to, and she was turned into that pillar of salt as her, um, again, judgment on that, on that righteousness. Um, so there is, we, we tend to, or we can tend to focus on just the, the mercy and the grace side of God, and forget about the, the judgment, the, the righteousness of him as well. Um, so continuing on here, 8 and 9 and 10. Um, yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh, reject authority, revile angelic majesties. Um, this one kind of reminds me a little bit. We 
Carrie and I were just watching the story on uh, Warren Jeffs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with with him, the uh, polygamy, and just he's the the prophet of that that sect, and um, it was his word that that they would have to live by, and it was all about him satisfying his own desires, his own flesh, and they were to take that as the word of God, um, based on his his dreams or whatever. And yeah, it, it just <laughs> sorry, my my brain gets a little derailed here from time to time. But but again, just um, rejecting authority, defiling the flesh, own satisfying his own fleshly desires is is really what what this one is speaking to here, and what that reminded me of. And we need to, again, be on guard against those that, that are doing this. And if it doesn't match up with what's in God's word and, and God's direction, we need to really be questioning and on guard against that. Um, and then as we get into to verse 9 here, Michael the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil, he didn't dare even say anything against the devil at that point, speaking on behalf of God or anything like that. But instead, he just said, the Lord rebuke you. Again, giving God the the, um, the place of authority, the one to be looking to and not trying to do it on his own. Um, and we'll just keep going here. Um, verse 10 these men revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed. Um, the things they do not understand. Uh, think back to when we were at the, the Ark Encounter. Ken Ham was talking about how in Scripture we see that... Um, that which is of truth and of Christ is a foolishness to those that aren't believers and don't understand. Um, just kind of being brought back out here again, if if I don't understand these things, it's foolishness to me, the things of Christ. And it's just the, you know, fr- from this perspective, um, just the things of, of the, the flesh, the, the nature, the... the the instincts, you will, the, the animalistic instincts, is what the, the unbelievers are putting their trust in, and and that's what they're they're becoming destroyed by. Um, and then getting into eleven here, uh, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for they for pay they have rushed headlong into the air of Balaam, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Um, Cain uh, again we're familiar with with the history of that out of um, sinful pride and jealousy Cain killed Abel his brother Um, with Balaam Carrie and I had a good discussion on this one where if you look through the whole um, chapters and numbers where it's, it's referring to Balaam for the most part he was following God's word um Balak had come to him and said, I want you to put a curse on these Israelites because they're going to 
take us out, essentially. And Balaam said, no, no matter what you pay me, I'm not going to speak ill will against the God's people. Um, but what we remember is when he finally does go to Balak, he gets on his donkey, he heads down the, the road, and the donkey is the one that starts taking him off the path because he sees the Lord's angel in front of him. Um, and, and Balaam gets upset with his donkey that he's you know had for years and has never acted that way towards him. So out of um, a distrust of the Lord, if you will, not understanding what the donkey was trying to do and protecting him and, and trying to figure out what was going on, but instead just getting mad and, and striking the donkey, um, you know, is really what it's focusing on here is just the trying to figure out, um, yeah, why, what, what was the, the protection that was coming from, what, that was there for Balaam instead of getting upset. But really the one here, uh, Korah, perished in the rebellion of Korah. This one was new to me, so I wanted to look a little bit deeper into that one. And that one takes us back into number 16, along that same time frame of when the Israelites had escaped from Egypt. Um, at one point, Korah and 250 of, of the, the men in the community there, these were, um, I'm going to go back to it just so that I can get the, the right details here. Looking at um, number 16, really starting at, at verse 1, now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, giving you the background of just the, the genealogy here, um, he took action and... Uh, let's see, sorry. I'm trying to summarize if I can without taking up too much time. Verse 2, uh, they rose up before Moses together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders, leaders of the congregation chosen in the, the assembly, men of renown. So these were men of, of stature that came along with Korah to confront Moses about what was happening in the, de in the wilderness and um, just their, their concern about, you know, we're not getting anywhere. We should have just stayed in Egypt. Why, why are we not there? And through the, the discourse of the conversation here, Moses finally told them, well, all right, we'll see who the Lord has chosen. Um, you're not going to die of, of natural death if, if the Lord has chosen me. Something completely unnatural and, and miraculous is going to happen if, if I'm the chosen one of the Lord. So Moses told everybody else besides Korah and his family, step away from them because the earth is going to swallow them up and they're going to go down into Hades if, if the Lord has chosen me. And that's what happened. The ground opens, swallows up Korah and, and his family. Um... And then the, the other 250 men of the congregation, um, they were consumed by fire from the Lord. So it was very clear who the Lord had chosen to lead them. And again, just the, the distrust and, and the lack of faith, there, there was that, that judgment that came from it. Um, one other little side note off of that one. I'm probably getting a little too much into the minutia, but that's all right. I get to talk up here. You guys gave me the mic. Um, as part of the, the conversation, the, 
I don't know if you will, the challenge that they had was Moses had told Korah and the 250 men, bring your, your fire pots and we're going to offer uh, an offering to the Lord. We're going to have incense and, and all of that being burned. And after the Lord had consumed uh, the 250 men, he said, take those pots that they had brought and hammer them out. They're going to be gold lining on the altar. So that just as a reminder of God's authority and God's um, just control over everything, every time you see that altar and you see that gold from those 250 men in their pots, you know who the Lord is and, and his plan for you. Um, so I just, sorry, I found that one interesting as I was going through this, so I wanted to share that. Um, I, I've kind of reached my 20 minutes. Nobody has, has left yet, but I'm going to try to to keep going here and, and kind of pick it up a little bit, if you will. Um, so the next couple of verses here, this is just talking about, uh, again, the characteristics of, of these people that have crept in. Um, They've hidden, they're like hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, they're caring for themselves, clouds being carried along that have no water, um, autumn trees without fruit, wild waves. You can see that there's, there's nothing for anybody else that they are bringing. It's all about themselves. There is no fruit. There is no um, care for, for anybody else. But we know as... Um, we're told in Galatians that, you know, the fruit that we will bear being believers in Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these are things that are helping those outside of us. It's, it's not just an inward take care of myself. It's, it's taking care of those around you. And then again, just, you know, the, the last few verses of this section, 14, 15, 16, um, there is judgment that is going to be coming for them. It's not something new. It's not something out of just a whim that, that's going to happen. Um, it was these men that Enoch, uh, the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied about. Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds. Um, and then, so that's kind of the main point that Jude wanted to make here, was just be aware of of those that are creeping in and what to be looking for and how to protect themselves. And then the last little section here, 17 through 23, is really talking about what is believers are we supposed to be doing then um and really it's um pretty simple that he's he's showing us one seventeen the first three verses seventeen through nineteen don't be shocked by it. you are told this is going to happen that um in the last days there is going to be mockers um following after their own ungodly lusts. They're worldly-minded. They're devoid of the Spirit. This is just something that's going to happen, so don't be surprised when it does. But to prepare yourself for that, to be ready, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying constantly, staying in the Holy Spirit, looking to the Lord to um, provide them, 
and just to stay rooted in in the Lord uh, in love so that we can continue to um, just stay in God's love in that. And, you know, in 21 here it says, wait anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. So, you know, don't just hide yourselves in this world and do nothing. We are here. Our our goal, our, our desire is to proclaim Jesus to as many people as we can. But in order to do that, we need to stay rooted in him as well so that we are able to notice when there are these um, false prophets and these um, teachings that are getting watered down or twisted or, or whatever it may be. And then in 22, 23, what does it look like when we're trying to help those around us? Um, 22 talks about have mercy on some who are doubting. And it's not clear here if it's a believer or an unbeliever. Um, I guess because it's starting to point towards, you know, those that are the beloved, um, you know, there are times that we have questions and doubts that we need to, as believers, show mercy to them to help answer those doubts or work through or, or help correct in that, not just giving up on them, but that desire for them to know Christ as well, help work through that with them. Uh, in 23, it starts talking about saving others, snatching them out of the fire. Uh, again, if you see somebody going down the wrong path, it's, again, getting into today's world um, a little bit, trying not to interject too much of my own thoughts here, but um, it is loving to point out a sin to somebody if it's taking them down the road of destruction. It's unloving to let them continue on that path. And we as believers, snatching them out of the fire, we need to, uh, in a loving, gentle way, when we see somebody going down that wrong path, come alongside them and help pull them back um, so that they, they have that chance um, to be saved. And then finally here, on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. This one again gets a little, for my feeble mind, i honestly not exactly sure what all to do with that one other than just as we're trying to help others be careful that you don't get drugged down that same path that they're going on. If it's one of those where um, there's just, yeah, Mercy with, I think the with fear is the the key part there. Just being careful that you aren't letting your own convictions get whittled away in an effort trying to help somebody else, and you, in essence, um, getting pulled down that that same wrong path. And then finally, here the last two verses, just the the closing of of Jude, the reminder who it is that we serve and who it is that's in control over all of this. Um, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And again, that him is Christ. He's the one that we are rooted in and that can protect us from all of this, that will keep us from stumbling um, and will make us stand in the presence of Christ's glory, blameless with great joy. That is the one that, that we are saved through. Christ is the one who gives us that, that hope and that power and that, that gift of, of salvation. Um, 
to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Um, amen. Jude, Jude ends it better than I can, so we'll, we'll end it there, and I'll just ask you to pray with me again. Heavenly Father, we just, again, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for a chance just to to look to look at it, to read through it, to have through your Holy Spirit um, the conviction, the, the guiding, the leading, the teaching, Lord. Um, it's only through you and by you that, that you do the work in people's hearts and in their minds, Father. We thank you that it's not solely up to us because if it was, we would be lost for sure, Father. Um, just pray again that that your Holy Spirit would um, move in each and every one of us here today as we've looked at your word and hopefully as we go forward now and this week, continue to meditate on it and, and read through it and look to you for, for guiding on it. Um, just thank you again for this time, Father. Thank you that you are the great and awesome God that you are and that we can look to you and love you and trust you and put our hope and our salvation in your hands. pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.